Hello, hello. Today we're joined by a guest who's had an inspiring sporting journey. I say sporting because, as you'll see, football plays almost as exciting a role in the story as tennis. And it is quite a story. Having grown up in a tennis playing family, a successful junior career was followed by a tennis scholarship to High Point University in North Carolina. After a chance encounter, he was recruited for the university's soccer team and was so successful that on returning to the UK, he had an amazing pro football experience before moving on to, to work for the LTA, the ITF, and now for the Premier League. Our guest today is my brother-in-law, Chris Archer. Just before we get to our interview, I just want to let you know about something. You'll hear Chris talk in a really passionate way about an amazing coach called Ray Bailey, whose enthusiasm for the game started a lifelong love affair with tennis for a lot of players in this area. The day after Chris and I chatted, we found out that Ray had sadly passed away. I didn't know Ray personally, but I know he meant a lot to a lot of tennis people in Derbyshire and beyond. And this episode is dedicated to Ray. I started by asking Chris when he first remembered having a racket in his hand. If I'm honest, Rob, I don't actually remember having a racket in my hand for the first time. And I think that probably tells you how young I was. Yeah. Um, I would probably only been <clears throat> three or four years old. Um, as you've already said, I grew up in a tennis playing family. Um, and so I was always probably destined to have the opportunity to play tennis. Um, but clearly I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I've carried on playing and the rest is history. Come on, I bet it was uh, I bet it was a big old racket. There's no uh, mini red rackets in those days. It must have been some sort of <laughs> Do you know what, Rob? I actually did have a small racket. Um, Keith Reynolds, I remember, get, got me a racket. I don't know if it was when I was um, that age, but certainly when I was quite young, I do remember having a, a white racket that was a bit smaller. But you're probably right. The first racket I, I probably picked up was my dad's, and I probably needed two hands to get my uh, hands around the grip. <laughs> Come on. Come on. And, and so competing. I mean, you can't remember those early years. I mean, tennis family, Dennis Archer as a dad who, you know, lots of people listening will have heard of Dennis Archer. Yeah. He's played for Derbyshire more than any any other player. He's he's captain Derbyshire to triumph in County Week. He's played for GB. He's well known. So tennis played family, but yeah. So that move to competing, Chris. What, what sort of age? I don't know exactly what age I'd be, Rob. But I, I would say I'd probably be about six or seven um, when I first remember competing. Um, and it was short tennis. So it was before mini tennis red existed. Short tennis back in my day. Um, and it was with a foam ball, a short, uh, a mini court, same size court as a, a red court now, and a plastic bat. And the competitions, as I recall, um, used to be, a, it was Ray Bailey who used to organise them. Oh. And some, some listeners may know uh, Ray, who was a fantastic character. And he used to organise tournaments at, uh, at, at schools or leisure centres in the, in, the, uh, in the gym. He'd mark out all the courts and we'd all head down there and play and play the tournament. And I always remember that Ray... He'd have all before we started the tournament. He'd have all the participants out on the court, and Rob, you probably remember this from your from your kids' party days uh, in not so uh, recent times. Um, the uh, uh, the Superman song that you play at kids' parties. Yeah. With that, well, Ray used to have all the participants out on the court, and this was the introduction. This was the warm up for everybody. You had to to play the, the Superman song, and you do all the actions. No uh, way. That, that was the, that was the. Um, that was the start of it, and he he always kept it fun. He was a, he was a big inspiration actually in his early years. He used to organise tournaments. He also used to coach as well, and 
he, he took some of my early coaching sessions and early county coaching sessions. So, um, yeah, Ray was one of the first people who I recall being a you know inspiration in my. You know, I love that so much, Chris, because we know what tennis tournaments can be like for kids and for adults. You know, they can be pretty pressurised situations to be playing Superman <laughs> at that point. I mean, it sets the tone, huh? Yeah, we were pretty young. He kept it fun. He kept it light, um, and you know, clearly it, it helped. It, it helped myself and a whole generation of players take up the game. Brilliant. I mean, tennis parent-wise, um, I'm always trying to judge the balance on the number of tournaments our kids play. Did you play a lot in those early years? I probably didn't play too much in those early years. I think as I as I grew up and went through my my teenage years and started competing more, then. I would play fairly regularly, Rob, but I never chased the tournaments too much. I played other sports too. I played a lot of football back in those days. Um, I would say that I'd probably play um, maybe once a month a tournament at the weekend. Um, and aside from that, I would play football. And I, I played Saturday, Saturday league and Sunday league football when I was growing up. So I split my time between the two sports, um, although I always took tennis tennis more seriously. But I would say, Rob, that when, when I wasn't playing tournaments, then we would regularly have uh, county matches growing up um, and aside from the organized events that, that the county put on then that was largely down to um, a lady called Judy McPherson who was uh, Chris McPherson's mum. Chris McPherson is a, a teammate of mine I've grown up the same born the same year as me so we grew up going through the ages together. Judy organized all these county matches friendly matches against other counties around the country mainly uh, Midlands counties and northern counties so we spend lots of time heading off, uh, one of the parents of the players would take us and we had a great time you know, taking off in the back of a car and going to play Lancashire or Yorkshire in friendly county matches. What an adventure. So we did that for, for quite a number of years through the ages. And so I didn't play lots of tournaments, but I would supplement that with with playing a lot of county tennis. How, how my old were you? How old, Chris? That's fascinating. I think, you know, I think a lot of people who are listening, watching, whatever, however they're consuming this, like... What it's interesting because there, there aren't those county friendlies in the same way. What sort of age was that at, Chris? Well, I think the first time I remember competing for the county was probably in short tennis, so going back maybe when I was an eight or under 10 at least. And it was after that when these matches would start. So I would say probably from under 12 onwards, Rob, we would, we would be playing these matches. I, I don't know how much that still happens um, today at the same level. And, and to be fair, it was Judy who was the main instigator and she was the main organizer the chief organizer in that so um i mean you always need don't you every every generation really needs a or every group needs a, someone who's going to put in their time volunteer and and and, and just do it because they, they for the love of the game and and providing kids with the opportunity to play um and in this in this instance it was it, i think it was mainly judy who did that and obviously all the other parents who supported us by taking us to the matches it's one of the things I'm loving about doing these interviews, though, is the ideas you get through them. You know, like the idea that that we should be organising county friendlies. I mean, it's something I know James Grundell's really passionate about. With old Simon Thornywell now being up north, we need to organise some friendlies against Simon. You know, up with with Cheshire. I think that's something that's uh, that's likely to happen. I think it'd be yeah. great to get them back on the calendar, wouldn't it? Because it's teamwork. It's you're playing as a team. Yeah, all, all my all my best tennis experiences, Rob, have been playing as a team. And even even when playing individually, you still feel part of a team if you're part of that Derbyshire experience. Um, so you you're never really alone. Even when you go off to tournaments, you normally you've got some of your Derbyshire teammates alongside you, so you, you form that bond. 
Um, and that started at an early age for us, playing in these counter matches, amongst other things. Now, Chris, I don't like. I was chatting to uh, a fellow, amazing fellow called Sam Jallo, quite recently. For uh, I, I listened, yeah. What a guy! And I don't know if you heard. I talked about in that about how one of my favourite ever matches was you and Jimmy Rushby against Neil and Ken Skupski, and you guys got to match point up. And uh, was it Neil or Ken put down an ace? It was Ken, I think. Yeah, it was one of my favourite matches as well, actually. Um, despite the fact we lost it, I just. Playing, I'm sure we'll come on to talking about counter weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Podcast listeners, Rob, they'll probably be sick of hearing about counter <laughs> It's a lot of airtime, but it certainly played a big role in my life. So I'm sure we'll come on to talking about it. But but the, one of the reasons I love counter week is it gives me an opportunity to compete against players who are brilliant tennis players. Um, and you can go and compete on a level playing field with these guys. You know, in other weeks of the year, they're playing at Wimbledon and all around the world. And in this one week of the year, yeah, a bit like an FA Cup story, isn't it? You can go along and you can, and you can, and you can try your best and, and, and give them a run for their money. On that day, we did, but we weren't quite good enough. Love it. Now, actually, there's a, a podcast called Control the Controllables, and it's a really great tennis podcast. And uh, Neil and Ken have recently done a piece about getting back together in that. But now the point I'm trying to make on this is, if I think about, uh, I know about Bjorn Borg. Bjorn Borg was not a well-behaved, junior but he was an ice man when he got older if you think about um federer you know he's he's well behaved but i hear he was uh he was uh not so well behaved when he was a junior but even on that match against neil and ken when you got so close and i would have had steam coming out of my ears you still remained calm you seem to me to be one of the calmest men on the tennis court was that always a way or as a junior was there more emotion flying around it was always the way. I mean, I, I um, Rob, I'm, I'm fiercely competitive on the court. You know, I don't want to lose that match to Ken and Neil. That, that match actually was to decide who stayed up in Group 1. The, the, the scenario was 4 all between Derbyshire and Lancashire. And the, the winner got to stay in, in Devonshire Park for another year in Group 1. And we lost it so closely. So oh. it was a devastating defeat. But I've always had the, I've always had the opinion that I, I'm just going to go on the court and I'm going to, whoever it is, whether it's Ken and Neil or whoever, I'm just going to play the person on the other side of the court. We've both got a rack in our hands. You know, you start, you start um, love, love. You've got a chance. I'm going to give it everything I've got. And if I'm not good enough on the day, then so be it. You know, I can live with that because I've, I've left it all out there on the court. And I realised that if Andy, if you into Andy Murray, Rob, he'd probably tell me um, that he he would uh, suffer defeats for, for days or weeks afterwards. Yeah. And that's why he's a Wimbledon champion and I'm not. Um, but most people don't become Andy Murray or Wimbledon champion. Most people just play tennis for the love of the game. Um, that was always my attitude. I enjoyed it when I was on court. Um, and when I came off court, then uh, sometimes I'd be disappointed, obviously. I, just, um, the thing is, yeah, I know what a good tennis player you are. And, and you do, you seem to be able to deal with it. How did you learn that as a kid? Or was it, you know, did, was it the likes of Keith and your dad? Or was it just something within you that meant you could deal with these situations? And to be frank, you know, I, when I was a junior, I couldn't. Um, I, I, I think that's one of the, it's a personal trait, isn't it? That you probably can't be taught um, that, that temperament. You can work on it over time. Um, but I think in those early days when I was, um, you know, I always, I was always the same, really. I, I never lost my temper really on court. It was just my natural, um, you know, the way I approached the game. Amazing. But, you know, if I think about your your performance as a junior and, 
uh, you know, we were recently, I was chatting to Ash and uh, Ashley Broomhead, who's a, you know, a, just a, a legendary coach around here, but also in the UK, I think. And, and we were reminiscing over Watchorn and what an incredible club Watchorn is and how three world number ones played there. Um, and two of which were Andy and Jamie Murray. Now, as a junior, you, you took on one of these guys because I saw a, a draw sheet from uh, the dollar roll at Watchorn. Who was it you played in that one? Unfortunately, Rob, I took both of them on. Um, that's <laughs> First of all, I took on Andy. So this is 1996. Um, Derbyshire Open, Dolmore at Watchorn. Um, and as, as Ash rightly pointed out, Watchorn was a was a hotbed of tennis for a number of years. You know, it was really a pioneering club and um, it was great for, for Derbyshire tennis players. I used to play at Watchorn a lot. I, I, I coached with Keith. We used to use it for, for hitting, playing on the clay. I played National Club League for Watchorn. So, um, yeah, it's a, a club that I spent a lot of time at. Um, but in this particular <laughs> instance, I was up against Andy Murray so the semi-final of the Derbyshire Open. Now my um, my father-in-law loves telling this story, Rob. That, and every time he tells it, I get a year older, and Andy Murray gets a year younger. And I think at the latest count, I was seventeen. <laughs> Andy Murray was about five. Um, but the reality was, <laughs> I was eleven and he was nine. And I played him in the semi-final of the boys' um, singles under twelves, and um, I beat him in two sets. Um, he was quite emotional on that day. But then again, I think I probably would have been if I was in his shoes too. Um, but unfortunately, Rob, the next day I went on court against Jamie in the final. I got absolutely hammered. <laughs> um, but anyway, I can live off the Andy Murray story because I've only played him the once. And so I have a 100% record against Andy Murray. I love that. I remember, uh, you know, like, Chris, when, when you came to work with us at, at Fast Web Media, and uh, I think it was one of, I think it was your first day pretty much where you got back from America or come on to America and, um, we're doing. We, we went to pitch for a massive sporting business, um, PR-wise, where I was working at the time. You came along. I'm doing the introductions, and I said, "Oh, um, yeah, this is Chris. He's uh, he played Andy Murray and uh, got on pretty well against him when he was a junior." And, and I remember, I, you know, I spent days working on this presentation. I think the client was more impressed with that than anything else. Yeah, I think that clinched it. Yeah, I'm still waiting for that bonus, Rob. <laughs> Come on. So other than, I mean, you know, you must have had amazing moments as a junior. Is anything stand out for you from your junior career? Um, Rob, I was never I was never a top junior player, if I'm honest. Um, certainly not. I never played internationally and at a national level. I was never competing in you know, the top few players in my age group. So um, in that regard, I didn't have any outstanding moments uh, winning national tournaments for me it was always county tennis I loved county tennis my proudest moments uh, looking back at my junior career I think the three proudest moments were when I got picked for the under 18 county team that was such a an amazing moment to get the letter through the post and we were playing um, I was 13 years old playing for the under 18s we played in in Newport in South Wales and I wasn't the only player to get selected Simon Thornywell and a few others as well you know Chris McPherson we all got selected around the same time <clears throat> so that was brilliant. A year later, I got selected for the men's team for the first time at the age of 14. We played in the Winter County Cup. And the year after that, at 15, which was the moment for me, was when I made my County Week debut. Um, and County Week had always been a big part of my life. Um, in, in the year 2000, I made my debut. We were in Group 4 in Beckenham. I've never set foot in that venue, Rob, since. I've never been back to Beckenham. But I can vividly remember the court that I played on, who I was playing with, who my position was, what the score was on the day. It sticks with me so... Uh, now, now, Chris, so, I mean, this is brilliant, but... So I spoke to Andrew Jarrett, you know, uh, 
Davis Cup player, uh, a Great Britain coach, uh, or, you know, until recently, the, the referee of Wimbledon. I spoke to Ashley Broomhead, another county legend for us in Derbyshire. They both lost their opening exchanges in uh, Summer County Cup. How did it go for you in Beckenham? We, we won. I had a good partner. I played with Andy Evans, who I'd, I'd grown up watching Andy for many years. Um, you've already said, oh, my dad played County Week for, you know, for quite a number of years, 30 years. So I, I've been going on County Week. I've only missed one County Week in my, in my life, and that was when I was one year old. So I've been going on County Week since I was two. You know, I've barely missed a ball being hit for Derbyshire in all these years. I spent 15 or 14 years watching the players. You know, Andy Evans, my dad, Ash, Keith, Andy Jarrett, all those guys watching them, learning from them, aspiring to be like them. And so when I got the opportunity to play, I played with Andy Evans um, and we won very comfortably. We, we were only playing, well, so we were playing against Wiltshire in group four. So it wasn't the, you know, it wasn't the, the, the top the top end of county tennis, but um, we won that day. And I went on that week, I played with Andy Evans the first two days. I played with my dad on the Wednesday. And I went on to play with Andy Jarrett for the, the final two days. Um, and that was the only time that I ever played with any of those players. It was in my first year. So... It was a really special year for me to, to get into the team. Um, and it was a transitional period for the county. There were a number of players like Andy and my dad who were coming to the end of their time playing um, and, the, and the next wave of, of the next generation, and myself and, um, and other players were just about to break into the team. Come on, just brilliant, brilliant. So, you know, the, the junior career, uh, it's over and uh, you went over to High Point University on the tennis scholarship. Was that always the plan? Um, if I'm honest, Rob, I didn't really have a plan. <laughs> <laughs> I left school at 16 um, and I went, to, I got a couple of jobs um, after leaving school. I worked, I was, I was a tennis coach at Dovefield in the evening um, and I worked at the Toyota car factory during the day. And that was, um, that was an interesting experience. <laughs> um, and I quickly realised that I, I needed, to, um, I needed to, to, to sort out a plan. Um, and so I knew that American University was was an, was an option for me. Um, it wasn't probably as, as commonplace people going across to America as it is now. Um, but I definitely also, I wasn't trailblazing. Rob yourself, you know that because you've, you've been there and a number of Derbyshire players, yeah. um, probably Ben Newcomb most recently before me had gone over to the States. So um, I knew there was an opportunity there. Um, and having had the taste of working two jobs and, and long hours for, for a few months, I realised that I needed to, to try and make the most of that and I have to say that it was in hindsight the best decision that I ever made but it was a big decision because I hadn't I was quite a home bird Robert that that point in time and um, I, I hadn't, hadn't traveled extensively anywhere and I certainly hadn't traveled to the states so when I boarded the plane for the first time that was that was my the first time I'd been away from home really you know for any length of time away from my family and, and parents but also it's the first time I've been to America so it was quite a big deal um, for me at the time, but it was uh, it was the best decision I ever made. Oh, come on. I mean, it's interesting, Chris, just hearing you talk about decisions and stuff. When I went over there, like, it's interesting because I'll get on at our Stanley and our Ned about being organised and, and Phoebes and say, come on now, be organised. Where's this? Where's that? I think I turned up at, uh, at uh, Minneapolis Airport and I'd forgotten my visa. So I got <laughs> taken into the customer. Like I, I, I was there for hours. The coach was waiting outside, and I'm like, "Mate, there was no mobile." I was like, "Please let me out." And I don't know, they faxed somebody, faxed somebody else. But yeah, I mean, an amazing. I bet you didn't forget it. I bet you didn't forget it again, though, Rob. 
no, not the not what you do twice there. And so these are experiences when you when you go away and you you're thousands of miles from home, then you grow up quite quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was it was a big learning experience for me, um, as well as obviously a fantastic experience, tennis and academics and, and, and social, just learning about yourself and, and, and life. It was, a, it was a, a good step for me at the time. And for any of our, you know, our listeners who have got uh, children or who, who are thinking of university life, America wise, how was it from a, a, a sporting perspective, a, an academic perspective? How, how did it come together for you? Um, from an academic perspective, it was perfect for me. Um, the system over there is more modular and you have regular exams um, and you also have to keep up with your academics and keep a good grade, otherwise you lose your eligibility to play sport. So that was all the incentive that I needed to make sure that I, I was getting good grades because there was no way I wanted to, to miss out on the sport. Um, I think from a, from a sporting perspective, uh, fairly well documented, I'm sure American University is a fantastic route for for. for kids to go down um, it benefits from the big sports like basketball and American football who bring in which bring in a lot of money at the top end through TV rights and, and sponsorship and all of that money because anyone even the basketball players and American football players are amateur players every university is amateur that money gets filtered down to all of the sports the more sort of minority sports so tennis for example that doesn't generate any revenue benefits from um, from those bigger sports and so you have fantastic facilities, coaches, trainers. I mean, you really get treated like a professional athlete for the time that you're there. Um, but you're not a professional athlete. You're a student, you're an amateur, and you can have an amazing time while you're there. Um, so the, the mentality was definitely work hard, play hard, and and party hard. And that was what we did for a few years. It was absolutely brilliant. Cool, man. And i got to say, I mean, for me, this is where your journey gets just really really interesting you know you, you're there on a tennis scholarship you've done incredibly well at high point from a tennis perspective but tell us how you got recruited for the for the soccer team yeah it was, it was an interesting story and it was it, it really opened the door for a whole new chapter in my life I never thought it was possible to be honest it never even crossed my mind I played football growing up and I played a lot of football growing up you know played for the school and local teams but it was always just a bit of fun playing with my mates I'd never taken it seriously. I'd never tried to you know, to, to play for a, a bigger team or, or get recruited or spotted or anything. So um, one day, it was my first year at university, February time, it snowed. Um, tennis practice was called off and I could see the, the, the soccer team were uh, playing on the pitch next to the tennis courts. They were playing on a couple of inches of snow and I wandered down there just to watch. And they were playing the 11 v 11 match amongst the squad, but they were a player short. And I didn't have any boots in America and I hadn't brought my boots with me. So I borrowed some boots and said, come and, come and join in. So I went and played, loved it, of course, loved playing football, um, played for an hour or two, went home, thought nothing of it. The next day, the soccer coach came and found me and said, Chris, you know, would you be interested in, in, in playing on the soccer team? And I said, absolutely brilliant. I'd love to, but there's no way I'll be allowed to because I, my tennis scholarship is, is paid for by the tennis coach. The soccer, the soccer season is from the, the summer until Christmas and the tennis season is from January until until the summer. And so the, the tennis coach, there's no way he'd risk me picking up an injury and, and jeopardising the tennis team's chances of success playing football. Um, anyway, he, the soccer coach said, leave that with me, don't worry about that. And he, he transferred my scholarship over to become a soccer scholarship. So essentially in America, what I became was a, what they refer to as a walk-on on the tennis team. And that allowed the tennis coach to then go and give my tennis scholarship to somebody else 
Wow. So the, it was a, the tennis team benefited and, and the soccer team benefited too. Um, and that was brilliant for me because it allowed me to play football and just really lived that dream of, of playing football and tennis and, and that sort of you know, fake professional dream that we, we had out there where we were traveling around, flying to matches. Uh, you know, I'd grown up playing on park pitches, <laughs> in time, absolute mud bath. There, the pitches are perfect. You're playing in stadiums under floodlights. You're playing with great players. It's a very technical game out there. Um, so it was just so much fun. I couldn't believe I had the opportunity to do it. Um, and I just thoroughly enjoyed every, every bit of it. And also it allowed me to, to continue my education beyond my undergraduate degree. I stayed on to get a master's degree because I had the opportunity to continue playing uh, soccer beyond my four years of tennis eligibility that I had. So it was just a, it really was a you know, fairy tale story for me at that stage and, and really helped, I think helped me um, enjoy university life that much more as well. It just makes you smile so much. What a, what a way to spend a few years. Football, one season, then tennis. Just I would, play, I would play Rob County Week in the summer in July and I wouldn't touch a tennis racket again until January. So I would just leave it alone completely for nearly six months. And then when I came back in January, I would start training tennis again and I wouldn't kick a football until I went back in August. And I, and I did it like that because I just wanted to be able to concentrate fully on the sport that, that was at that time in the season, you know, I was playing the matches in the fall for soccer, in the spring for tennis. Yeah. And it worked really well for me and, and allowed me to really focus on those. And also I was hungry when I came back to play tennis in January. A few months out, I was ready to go again. There was definitely no trouble of, of burning out. Brilliant. Now I know and I know you, you, you're one of the most modest people. I know you wouldn't play your own trumpet in this respect, so it's left to me to do it. Um, you were recently inducted into the Athletics Hall of Fame at High Point University. And uh, how, how did that come about? A few years ago, they, they, uh, it wasn't only a few years ago, I think they put together this Athletic Hall of Fame. So they're, they're recognising people for their athletic achievement at the university. I mean, I must admit, I thought they probably would have forgotten me by now. But um, seemingly in America, they love all of the uh, statistics, don't they? And the, you know, the matches you've played and won and goals you've scored and all of that stuff. So... There must be a book somewhere and a record of my, you know, my time at the university. So they gave me a call and said they wanted to do this. And I was due to fly out there last March, um, unfortunately, uh, or last April, sorry, unfortunately, um, the COVID situation put the brakes on it. So we'll head out there when, when it's safe to do so. Um, and I'll really enjoy that opportunity to go back. So I haven't been back to university um, since I left all those years ago. And it would just be brilliant to go back and, and see some of the people who helped me on that journey. You know, there was yeah. some really important people to me who who gave me that um who gave me that foothold and, and and allowed me to allowed me to achieve those things and enjoy myself and have an amazing experience Brilliant. something to really look forward to and just what a journey of that you know normally when something's cancelled you're like oh no the weather's got in the way no tennis but well thank goodness that tennis match was cancelled eh honestly if it wasn't for that it would it would never have happened um it was totally by chance um, that whole that whole situation occurred. Brilliant. And the next chapter wouldn't have happened, which I love just as much. So you've come back. You're in. You know. You're in amazing shape. You're loving your football. You're loving your tennis. And you wrote to local football managers to see if you could get a trial. You know. Tell us what happened next. Did you hear back from the managers? What happened next? Well, first of all, I was I was egged on um, by a certain Rob Salmon. <laughs> 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 He told me that I, having come back from university, that I could put together this football CV. Again, it hadn't, it never crossed my mind, Rob. Um, 
but you, you put the idea you sow this you sow the seed in my mind and um <laughs> so together we put together this cv we, we sent it around speculatively to we felt the conference i think was the right level didn't we of, of, of club yeah. we might be interested so we fired it off to every every club that had an email address um and sort of waited to hear back and i wasn't expecting to hear back from anyone um but sure enough it did start to trickle back but the the managers getting in touch, they were from Yeovil and Woking and Crawley. And I was I was working with you in Manchester, Rob, at the time, and I was living in Derby. So traveling down to Yeovil for a trial wasn't going to be on. But the club that I really wanted to hear back from uh, was Burton Albion. I, I grew up only a few miles from Burton Albion. I've been watching, but I'm a Derby fan, but I've been watching Burton for years uh, you know, as well on the terraces as a fan. Um, and it was quite an exciting time at Burton. Cluffy had taken, Nigel Cluffy had uh, taking charge they had a couple of promotions and they were they were at the top of the conference um, and that was the, the team that I wanted to hear back from never thought that I would anyway a couple of weeks had, had passed um, and I was sat in the office in Manchester my mobile phone rings I didn't recognize the number um, I answered it hello who's that and he said it's, it's Nigel Clough and I couldn't believe it. I nearly fell off my seat Rob when when Nigel Clough had phoned me up he said I've got your CV in front of me Chris he said do you want to come to, we've got training tomorrow night do you want to come I said, Absolutely, I'll, I'll be, be there. Where is it? Now, Burton in those days used to train at the uh, National Football Centre. Yeah. Now, the, you know, the FA National Football Centre. Um, it wasn't the same in those days because the FA had, had put down all the pitches and then pulled the funding out. So there wasn't the infrastructure there in the hotel and all of, all of those facilities, but there were some immaculate pitches. I think Burton were the only people who, who used it. <laughs> anyway, so I, I got back, I was in Manchester, got the train back, off down to Burton for the, for the, for the training session. There was an 11 v 11 match going on and uh, and Cluffy, or the gaffer as we had to call him, he said to me, where do you play? And I said, I'll play up front. He said, well, today you can play on the wing. So, okay, that's not not the best start. And I don't think I really kicked the ball, Rob, in that, in that whole match or barely touched it. So I thought, well, that's the end of that. Anyway, at the end of the session, Cluff said, um, we've got a, a, a match tomorrow night, a reserve match. Chris, are you available? So I said, absolutely, no, I'll be there, no problem. Um, anyway, I was a bit late turning up to the match because my train was delayed back from Manchester. So when I got into the dressing room, bear in mind I've never I've never been into Pirelli Stadium, which is where Burton play apart from as a as a fan. And so I was quite starstruck by walking in through the main entrance and making my way through the tunnels to the to the to the, um, to the dressing room where Club had pinned up the um, the team sheet for the day, and he had me playing up front. I mean, I, I thought I was just going to go and watch the game. I didn't have any idea I'd be playing in the game and playing at the starting. And we're playing against Kidderminster Harriers, and I realised, Rob, when I'm telling this story, that this isn't, yeah, this isn't Premier League stuff. It's, it's Burton Albion reserves, and I've, I've well and truly. This is Roy the Rovers stuff. This is not. But it is for me. It is Roy the Rovers stuff because I, you yeah. know, my footballing experience was just playing on the park. Anyway, so on we go against Kidderminster, and we're ten minutes into this game. I haven't touched the ball yet. We get a throw in down near the corner flag. I'm playing up front. The ball comes in. It gets headed in the air, and I, I felt myself trying to do this overhead kick, Rob, where. It was almost a motion. And I thought, what am I doing? I've never tried this manoeuvre in my life. And I'm picking this moment, this moment to try it for the first time. Anyway, fortunately, I made contact with the ball, which was helpful. And I turned around, it's right in the top corner. And Cliff, <laughs> the gaffer, who was playing in the matches, he used to play in the reserve matches. And so he comes running over. He must have thought, flipping heck, who have I, who have I signed here? Um, anyway, the match went on and I scored again in the second half. And then we got a penalty with about 10 minutes to go. And, and the gaffer came over and said, go on, son, get your hat-trick. Oh. This is going to be a sink or swim moment for me here. Anyway, I managed to slot it away. So I got my hat-trick on my debut um, for Burton. And we played the match the following week. And I managed to score again. So um, 
Cuff tried to sign me for Burton at that time. Unfortunately, this is where the fairy tale um, ends. But hey, just before you get to that, I mean, what an amazing <laughs> experience, man. I mean, somebody who loves football up there with tennis, I, I mean, it's an unbelievable story, Chris. <laughs> well, there was, it was, I was just living the dream of any, any fan, really, who was you know, expect, expecting to wake up any minute. And then I did wake up because when Cuff tried to sign me, the FA, it had just gone outside the January transfer window. And they blocked the transfer because they said I was, I think, still affiliated to the university that I've been playing with earlier on in the season. So that was a real shame. But but Cliff invited me back to come and play, do the pre-season with Burton the following summer, which I did. Um, long story short, I, I played some, I had some great fun doing it. We played against. No, you got to say before we cut the long story short, though, Chris. Um, now you are not just a Derby fan; you're a huge Derby fan. Um, I remember you played in the Bass Vars which is a, a pre-season friendly tournament for clubs in the, yeah, well, the local that, that was it so we it come, that was my uh, that was the highlight of my Burton career so we, I played the pre-season we played some good teams we played Birmingham and Ipswich and Forest we played and you know some really good teams it was great fun being a part of it um, being part of that environment yeah. and it culminated with as you rightly say the Bass Charity Vars competition which is a, a tournament that takes place every summer pre-season tournament and the likes of Derby County and Birmingham City and Forest and all the teams play it including Burton but we got to the final and we were playing against Forest um, so the Derby fan against Forest that was a big moment for me it was at the Pirelli Stadium it was the final match before the season started and I played 90 minutes in that match and we won 2-1 against Forest um, and after that that was the last match that I played so I, I didn't get taken on as a, a player after that but um, it was just a brilliant experience absolutely loved it um, but did you score? Did you score? Um, didn't you get a free kick against Nottingham Forest? Did score a free kick against Forest, yeah. So that was another one to probably just add to the uh, as the memory bank. It just doesn't. That's to me, you know, as a chapter. Just what an end to an incredible adventure! You put a thirty-yard free kick in the top corner against the biggest rivals well, I think of might- Derby County. I think you might have stretched it by about 10 yards, Rob, but I'll take it. Come on. Amazing, amazing adventure. So, yeah, I mean, you ended up heading down to London um, and, and, and working with the LTA, which, you know, we'll come on to. But what drove that choice over football ultimately? And you got an injury as well, didn't you? Well, I picked up an injury, which is a bit unfortunate. Before I started that pre-season with Burton, actually, I was invited by the FA, which was really exciting at the time. They, they asked me if I wanted to, to trial for the... The, the GB World University Games team heading to Beijing and I was invited to Warwick University for a trial where they had 40 players and they were going to whittle it down to a 20-man squad to head to Beijing to play in this this World you know, University World Student Games which I thought absolutely brilliant but unfortunately I got injured within five minutes I, I, I um, sort of tore the ligaments in my ankle and so I was out for a period of time that also impacted a bit on my the time at Burton as well unfortunately but um, but, but not to worry so um, I realised, to be honest, Rob, that my, my football career probably had the best of it at that point. I loved playing football and um, I could look back on those memories very fondly. I was never going to make it to the Premier League. And so um, that, that was a you know, great chapter and it was time to move on. So you moved down to London. I know, you know you've worked with, with the LTA, you've worked with the ITF, you're now yeah. working with the, the Premier League, just, you know, three, three large, <laughs> really prominent governing bodies. But... Something I really believe in is this life skills that, you know, tennis, that football can bring. Has, you know, your experience in sport, has that helped you become career ready? And if, if so, in what sort of ways? 
Well, uh, definitely, I think, you know, we're talking about tennis really today, but I think it's relevant to um, to uh, any sport, probably. Um, but, but tennis is the one, the sport that we, we know and love. Yeah. It, it gives you so many um, life skills. I mean, first and foremost, Rob, even people who are just picking up a racket for the first time, it promotes a healthy and active lifestyle and, it, and you, you develop social skills in playing. So even if you never go beyond a beginner level, then you know, it's a game that can give you a lot. Um, but as you progress on, you, you compete more, then you know, all, all the skills that you have on the tennis court, resilience and determination and problem solving, fairness, teamwork, handling your emotions, dealing with adversity, perspective you know I mean, the list just goes on and on and on all of these skills are things that you demonstrate on the tennis court and they get you ready not just for your career Rob but they get you ready they're all life skills aren't they they get you ready for your they make your make you live a better life and the knock-on effect of that is of course you hopefully gonna be more successful in your career as well so um tennis has definitely given me given me a lot um but I would say that there are other sports as well that would you know I'm sure um playing playing sport at a decent level you, you would demonstrate those skills as well I've got to come back to it though just one last time because I'm so with you and I think that's as, as good a summary as I've heard of the life skills that tennis can bring it's you know it's it really is a great summary but when you did score that free kick against Forest what was the feeling like what I mean surely it went through your body um I can't it was a long time ago but I mean I'm sure I enjoyed it <laughs> sure. I if I'd have done it, I'd be reliving it every single day. Every single day. You're so right, and the, and the, you know, in terms of these life skills that it brings, the the resilience. You know, being able to learn to 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 lose. You know, because life isn't straightforward. Yeah. Being able to work as a member of a team. I think for any any tennis parents listening, you know, more so than worrying about whether you've won this match or lost that match. Think about what the game is doing for your child and it's positive in terms of helping them prepare for life as an adult. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, all of, all of those skills, as I said you know, previously, it's not just about your um, it's not just about your working career that all of those skills pass over into that, but it's just about your you know, leading, a, leading a good life and, and, and taking those skills into the way that you live your life. Come on, come on. Now then, I know you're uh, still very much... Uh, performing as a tennis player um the, the the i guess one of the highlights for me and um, we've talked about the importance of county tennis and, and what it means to us but in 2015 derbyshire men won the lta county cup for the first time in their history uh you know what what did that one mean to you oh i mean that that is um that's my best sporting achievement there's no doubt about that um you know i've already said that how much county it means to me in terms of how long I've been involved in it. Um, and I, I never, honestly, I never believed that we'd be able to do it, Rob, if I'm, if I'm really honest. And, and the year that we went to um, Devonshire Park in Eastbourne that year in Group 1, we'd been promoted in second place the year before. And if the bookies were taking bets on who would come straight back down, it, Derbyshire would have been favourite. Um, we, didn't, we didn't have any, the players we had were the same players that played every single year and hadn't managed to get anywhere near win the title previously. And somehow that year, it just all came together. Um, and it, it really was Roy the Rovers stuff. Uh, we all, we all, the whole team played well. And, and it just the momentum that we picked up during the week, I've never, I've never experienced it like that, Rob, before um, in all the county weeks that I've played, really you know, all the tennis that I've played, where we were playing 
certainly my partner and I, Jimmy, I was playing with Jimmy Rushby. We were playing the best, it was the best tennis we've ever played. And whenever we got to a big point, four or 30 or, there was never a doubt in our mind about, you know, sometimes you might be you're throwing the ball for a second serve at 30 or and you're a bit worried about it and you're hoping that you're going to win the point, but you don't, you know, you don't really believe that you, you would do. And it wasn't the case that week. We just, we just hit a bit of form and, um, and we just car- carried it through the whole week and we just picked up that momentum and, and of course, then other players that are at the competition, they can see you playing well as well and that you sort of have the upper hand on them before you even walk on court. So players that we've played against in previous years and, and, and subsequent years as well, and, and maybe lost to at times, we, we were beating those guys because we just had, for some reason, it just clicked that week and we had the X Factor. Yeah, and the momentum, eh? The momentum was with you. And I, I, I mean, I was watching that just so nervous, just <laughs> so excited that it was coming together. But... It was Shakespearean, you know, if you think of the end of King Lear where a storm <laughs> came in, you know, the drama, the symbolism, and just when Derbyshire were going to win it, there was a massive downpour. Yeah, but we kept playing, Rob, didn't we, on the grass courts? I mean, the groundsmen must have been absolutely devastated, but it was almost <laughs> fitting that Derbyshire would win it in a downpour. <laughs> it just reminded me that was how we grew up playing. We were... We, we didn't really have many indoor courts, did we, in Derbyshire when, when we, were, we were growing up, just one or two, and we, we would spend most of our time outdoors playing the wind or the rain, so we were well equipped to deal with those, those, uh, uh, that scenario. Um, but no, it was absolutely brilliant, brilliant week, um, and it will always, you know, always live with me um, that we managed to do it. I'm sure it will live with everyone who was there. And You know, if people are listening and um, they may not realise that just what county tennis means to so many people. If someone was to say to you, you know, county tennis isn't important, Chris, you know, what would you say to them to persuade them that that's just not the case? Well, I think it gives, county tennis gives juniors something to aspire to. I've always said about my proudest moments as a junior was was when I reached those milestones of, of you know, getting into the county teams. That was, that was, that was my, my those were my goals. Um, I always, always wanted as well be be um, county champion. I knew that I was never going to win the national championship, so I wasn't good enough to do that. But I always used to target um, the county championships. It used to be played at Chesterfield um, back when I was playing it. Uh, I haven't been back to Chesterfield actually since it's changed. I understand now there's indoor courts and the share. I think have gone the Rob now and amazing all... centre with amazing coaches doing a brilliant job. Yeah. And my memory of Chesterfield was the the red shale courts, the old clubhouse. And there was a patch of grass behind the um, behind the clubhouse, and we used to go and I, I, I would normally my, my cousins uh, the Rushbys who grew up just around the corner from me, we always share a lift to Chesterfield. It's about a one hour drive to Chesterfield, um, and so one of us inevitably would be playing about nine o'clock in the morning. So one of the parents would go and drop us off. We would spend the day there, and someone would be last match on. So we'd always be back late at night. So we'd spend the whole week and every day all day at Chesterfield, and in between matches, Rob, we'd. We'd go and play football. We'd play football all day. You might be playing three or four matches in a day because you'd be entered into different events, singles, doubles, different age groups. And if you weren't playing a match, you'd be playing football on that grass behind uh, behind, the, behind the clubhouse. And I'm sure, I, I can't believe that happens these days, Rob, because I'm sure there'd be some coaches there to tell tell the players that the best preparation for your for your semi-final is not you know, three cans of Coke, a cheese toasty and four hours of football. And that was what we used to do. That was the way. But it, it helped to build this camaraderie within the county, you know, we, we, we were all great mates, all of us, the boys team and the girls team, all the different age groups, you know, we, we've had this great spirit amongst us. And I think that that's shown as well for that era of Derbyshire tennis, that many of us stayed in the game and continued to play. 
Um, so I think counter tennis, it gives, it gives juniors something to aspire to. Um, most, most people are not going to be the next Andy Murray. They're not going to go on to play at Wimbledon. They're going to, you know, the best that maybe will achieve is counter tennis. And that's fantastic. That was the best that I ever achieved. And it's given me you know, great opportunities and, and so much fun over the years. So it gives juniors something to aspire to. It also, Rob, gives seniors such as myself, but all the way through the age groups. And I've listened to your other podcasts. I listened to Ashley a few days ago talking about you know, he's still playing Keith, my dad. They're all, they're all still playing senior county tennis in their age group yeah. and, many, and many more players. It keeps people in the game. It keeps people competitive. And the knock-on effect of that is, of course, that you know, we then serve as the inspiration for the juniors who are coming through. So yeah. it's so important to keep people in the game for the long term. But also, Rob, I think outside of that competition, it just it creates a community, a family that we're all part of. You're part of it. I'm part of it. Even though I live in, in London at the moment, I still feel part of the Derbyshire tennis family whenever I come back. Yeah. Um, and it creates a community which otherwise would not exist. Um, so I've given you a few reasons there, Rob, but you know, you know I'm a big champion of, of, of county tennis and um, long may it continue. It's a great answer, and it is. It's it's so important to us, isn't it? And uh, and I think that's really interesting. Is you know, if I look at uh, you know, tennis is a gladiatorial sport, is it not? You know, when we have to get onto the court and go head to head in a singles match, it, it's gladiatorial. You know, it's it's a single swim sport. Yet the interesting thing is that those people who you've gone head to head with over the court can become some of your best mates in the whole wide world. And I know this is the case with yourself. I know it's the case with me that these people, you know, they become just your yeah. best, your best friends. And, and the county is a pivotal part of why, because you come together to play as a team. And, and, and that's where those relationships yeah. that, that, and those football matches that you used to play down in Chesterfield, man, they're, they're the times that they matter. And it's where relationships just, just a form that lasts forever. Yeah, absolutely. Now, tennis-wise, Chris, you still playing? Still playing a bit, Rob. Yeah, yeah. Trying to keep my eye in. Um, yeah, I still play. I mean, I, I, uh, back to county tennis. I mean, part of the reason that, that keeps me competitive is because once every year I want to go and try and win matches for Derbyshire at County Week. Yeah. So all year, all year, even when I'm even when I'm keeping fit and out running in January, every time I go out, I'm always thinking in the back of my mind, I've got County Week. I need to keep myself in shape. I need to keep competitive to try and you know, try and keep playing in that. So um, I, I do still play, Rob. I still play um, club league um, as well. All of my tennis is, is is based around team tennis. That's, that's always where I've enjoyed tennis the most. Um, uh, so whether it's uh, in national club league now that I play, or I mean, I think back to when we when we grew up playing, uh, Rob. I was a member at Church Broughton Tennis Club, which I know you know very well because you you, know, you coach there now. When when I was growing up, there was only one court, and it was in the middle of the, the village. Um, and Jane Rushby, my auntie, was a big inspiration in that club, and continues to 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 be so in terms of um, encouraging young players to take up the game. So we had, there was a really there was a, a thriving junior scene at Church Broughton Tennis Club, but we only had one court, so we didn't have any we didn't have any teams at that point. And so when we were about, I think we must have been 11 or so, Rob, 10, 11, 12, um, we set up a team in the in the men's league, in the Derby area, men's league. Pete O'Bourne is a great family friend of ours, um, was the captain. His son, Jeremy O'Bourne, played in the team. And then it was the likes of myself and James and Tom and Chris McPherson and Tim Puttick and others who played in that team. And we used to travel around. We had to start at the bottom, Rob. So we started in group six of the Derby area league. 
And Pete used to take us to these matches and we'd all get out the back of Pete's car, 10, 11, 12 year olds, playing against these grown men. Um, but we, we were part of that team and it was just a great experience. It was a great learning experience playing against these different types of players. Players, 50 year olds and, and, and 70 year olds and, and all sorts of players. You had different techniques and tactics and would do, hated losing to you know, a bunch of 10, 11 year olds who would do anything to try and beat you. Yeah. And that's all part of the learning experience. And every year we, as we got a year older, we kept getting promotions until we, I think we won the league, won the division one in the end. You know, when we got old enough, we were in the late teens then. So um, that was a brilliant experience. So my, my, my best tennis experiences have always been in, in team environments. I mean, just to say what Jane got going at Church Broughton on that one court, phenomenal. Um, Pete Oborn, what a lovely, lovely man. And, 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 and actually a point, a wider point for anyone who's listening here is if I think of what the likes of Andrew Jarrett have talked about, uh, what Ashley's talked about, what you've talked about, um, and uh, uh, inspiring something that I will do, I will get a team together for our juniors, because, mm. you know, if, if you're learning to play, Andy, Andrew Jarrett said, if you're learning to play against all these different styles that you've just mentioned, then you're learning to play the game of tennis in a competitive yeah. environment. And, you know, if I, I think of our Stanley, who's 10, and, and we travel around doing all these different tournaments and stuff, but there's as much value playing for Church Broughton in Derby Area League, isn't there? Yeah, well... It's all, it's all together, Rob, part of the learning experience, isn't it? So it's probably a mix of both, you know, playing against your own age group, um, but also trying to challenge yourself and putting yourself in those different different scenarios. Um, and that was certainly the case when, when we were 10, 11 years old, <laughs> playing in the Derby Area Men's League. Brilliant. Brilliant. Now then, Chris, we've, we've, uh, we've got a few questions to finish up. Um, you are put in charge of world tennis for a day. What is the one new amazing initiative that you would definitely introduce? Um, it's a difficult question, isn't it, that, Robert? Um, I, I don't know if I haven't given this much thought in terms of how I would implement it. Um, but the one thing I would like to, the, the sort of myth I'd like to break down in tennis is that it's a, a sport which is only for the, the middle class, it's, it's inaccessible to people. I realise that when, when you start competing at tennis and you start having to travel around, then there are expenses that, that are incurred and and there's a conundrum there for how that's funded and how that's supported. But at its most basic level, entry-level tennis, it should be accessible to everybody. We've spoken today, and I know in your other podcasts, about the experiences and the skills that tennis can give you, even if you just play it at a recreational level. Yeah. Um, tennis should be accessible to everybody. Um, so that's the, I don't know how I'd achieve it, Rob, but my, my goal would be to try and break down that myth. Um, the amount of people who must be lost to tennis before they ever have the opportunity to pick up a racket it would be great sports people, but we go on to do different things. Um, we need to try and get more people into tennis at the grassroots level. Um, so that would be my goal, if uh, even if I don't know how I'd do it. I love it. I love it. I think there's um, there's a, a guy um, you know on a variety of coaching forums, and it's been really useful during this this period to just check in with other coaches and have chats with other coaches. And there's one guy, a guy, John Cavill. Uh, Forgive me, John, if I've pronounced your surname wrong. But he does amazing work in getting into schools and working with the, the, the sort of the schools, primary school trusts and these sorts of things. Because surely that's where it has to start, Chris. Because if people can pick up a racket at a school and it's linked to a club yeah. and 
you know, there's something on offer, then why wouldn't you give our game a go? Because it's a brilliant game. Yeah, I think that's really important, not just the opportunity to pick up a racket in school, but the pathway beyond that, Rob. So what comes after that? Because I'm sure most kids will probably get the opportunity to pick up a racket in school at some point. But it's then, what? how do you then follow that up? Um, because you want people to then have the opportunity to continue playing, not just have that one experience and, and, and not do it again. So so that, that's it, Rob. That would be my uh, that would be my challenge. I'm so fired up when we're able to 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 get out and get into primary schools and just just tell the tell the pupils about our brilliant game. I can't wait actually. Hopefully at Ralston, which is our local school, they've been so supportive and I'll be there as soon as I can. Now then a final question, Mr. Chris Archer. If you could go for a drink with anybody, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Um, that one's easy. It'll be Brian Clough, Rob. Um, I, I'm, I'm a big Derby fan, always always have been. Growing up listening to my dad and Andy Jarrett tell me all these stories. If I could port myself back to one moment in sporting history, it would be back to the baseball ground in the early 70s when Clough was in charge because I've just heard so many stories about it. Um, and these days, you, you, know, you get to experience the current you know, Derby team and <laughs> matches, and it's such a far cry from, from what went on in those days. What an amazing man, what an amazing character. Um, but also, he was the best at his trade as well at the time. Um, and so, so many interesting stories and learnings, I'm sure. Um, and that would be, uh, be my drink. It probably wouldn't be uh, one, as you were, Brian. Uh, I, would, I would hope you'd invite me along. Um, and would, uh, would you invite Nigel to make up a table's worth? We could have a game of dominoes. We could, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Come on. I mean, yeah, the, the stories of Brian Clough and, and, you know, what a motivator, what a, an innovator, a man who did things differently. And, and yeah. so often that's a positive, isn't it? Um, I think, Rob, just, just to finish off, I know it's probably the end of your questions. It, the one thing that, that when I talk, when I look back, and this has been a great exercise, I really enjoyed kind of thinking about my different tennis experiences and, and going back through my journey. But tennis has been the one thing that's opened so many doors for me in my life. And we've spoken about some of them um, tonight, um, uh, but there's lots of stories and lots of other opportunities that we haven't spoken about as well. Um, but it really is a, a sport which can do so much for you. And for me, when I look back at all those key moments in my life, it's been tennis that has been the, the thing that's open that door and giving me that opportunity um yeah. so that's if you could leave the sort of the parents or the you know the young kids who may listen to this who one one tip it's that that the tennis can be you know the, the thing that opens so many doors for you so you just persevere and um and, and keep on love it love it that's that's the note to end on chris totally totally agree with you thanks so so much for your time it, it's lovely chatting I, I feel like my uh, my jaws are aching from smiling, man. So, uh, yeah, thank you so, so much. No, I've enjoyed it, Rob. Thanks very much. Cheers. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of My Tennis Journey. What a great uh, journey Chris has had. Um, you've made it through to the end, so thank you so much. Um, I was wondering if you'd do, just do one last thing uh, for us. If you were on Spotify, if you could hit the follow button, if you're on, uh, if you're on Apple, uh, if you could uh, hit the subscribe button um, and leave any comments, um, it would be massively appreciated. Um, so thank you very much, and look forward to welcoming you back to another My Tennis Journey very soon. <laughs>